Welcome to Winging It in Motown Radio. I'm Jeff Hancock. JJ's here. Graham's here. Kyle's here. We're in a little better mood than last week. Gentlemen, how goes it? Good. Great. Decent. Yeah. We are live <laughs> Still not the best night ever. Winging it. Uh, Flyers won. That was cool. No, uh, that sucked. I don't know. Where do you guys want to go with this? But it went in regulation, so the Islanders didn't get any points. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's you know, there. It seems like every game there, there's two teams that are right around the Red Wings that are playing each other. So as long as only one team gets points, that's really all you can hope for. Yeah, true. good point. I just, I don't know. I just look at the Flyers right now because they're the ones like riding our coattails, and that's why I just whatever. But yeah, you're 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 taking the the smart approach and keeping an eye on the entire field. And ultimately, hey, like the Wings had two games since we last recorded. They took care of business in both games, winning them both. So it's not all doom and gloom yet. They're still alive. They're still kicking. Yeah, still right. winging it. In Motown. In Motown. Uh, how do you feel for the two wins? I feel pretty good. Um, much better than I did a week ago, that's for sure. But, I mean, I, the Florida game, I didn't. I, admittedly, I didn't really watch a lot of it, but it it is a little I don't know it, troubling that they went down three to one and then kind of had to play back up. But I mean, whatever, a win's a win at this point of the year. But they didn't play. I mean, they didn't play poorly. Uh, they they had a much better start uh, against Florida, mm-hmm. and uh, so they. I mean, they looked good. Uh, then they got scored on, and that kind of a little bit of the wind out of their sails, which is seems to be a, a, just a thing for this team. Right. Um, but I mean, they got the power play going. I mean, you got that's a positive, right? They um, just need to do it consistently, <laughs> right? Howard looked good. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he looked fine. Really, the goals weren't his fault. The, the third goal was kind of a. It was funny. I, I hadn't even noticed it when it happened, but it, he said it after the game. He said well, he bumped into Green, and mm-hmm. that kind of threw him out of position. And then when you watch the replay, you see it. He's starting to move back, and he kind of Green, and it, it just completely throws him off. So, but I mean, they battled back and won. You know, against the division leading team, that's. That's a quality win. Yeah, I was well, real worried yeah. about that third goal too because that was Howard was way out of his crease and like really challenging the shooter, and then to have it bounce off the back of him, I was like, man, I really want him playing that aggressively. But then if he's going to give up a goal like that, like it's going to, I was really worried he was going to basically drive him back into his own net and make him a small goaltender again. Mm-hmm. So I was really happy to see that he uh, he shut the door after that. Yeah, and you know, it's funny the the Panthers. After that, Wings did a good job of of limiting their their really good chances. I mean, they still had a couple. They hit a couple posts, but once it was three one, the the Panthers. I mean, predictably settled in a little bit. But even in the third period, it was only three two. So you don't wouldn't I wouldn't expect a team like Florida to sit back and try and protect their lead. On uh, Detroit, yeah. they kept coming. You know, it wasn't. Um, I mean, it wasn't the best they've played. But I mean, down three one in the second, and you win five three. That's take that wasn't the i think my favorite part i think it was the tying goal came on the power play which quincy or not quincy kindle took the penalty <laughs> yeah. uh that was the red wings first goal first. that tied it yeah uh, well either way suck it kindle yeah idiot mm-hmm. which and the irony was it was it really wasn't a great call on him and yet i thought eh, whatever you deserve it that's your reputation you suck <laughs> whatever mr Jacob. 
I really have been enjoying like all the excuse making for Kendall since he got to Florida. Oh he's yeah, just, he has not been good. No, it's like, oh, he's, he's not a good hockey still player. Look good. It's like yeah, because he's still playing pillow soft shit. I mean that's that's the thing is Athanasiu drew a penalty against Jakob Kendall in that game. Um, we really like Athanasiu, but as far as usage is concerned, as far as what Gerard Gallant was putting Jakob Kendall out against, uh, that's a fourth liner. So yeah. that's that's how much trust Jakob Kendall has in the Florida locker room right now, and it's 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 pretty rightfully so because um, he's not a good hockey player. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like that we didn't blow the game against uh, Columbus this week too. That was good. Yes, yeah, that was a nice win as well. He did blow that the was, shutout though. That was one yeah. of those. Brendan yeah, Smith. Brendan Smith. <laughs> Shit bag. That was one of those games where it was like. It was a good win, and I was really excited. But at the same time, I was like, "Oh Jesus, this is going to be such a grind." And uh, I mean, that's going to be every win for the rest of the season, however many there are. It's well, that's like, that's Columbus too, I and mean, that's just that they yeah. play the Red Wings that way. I don't know why or why that is. I don't know if it's just the, the makeup of their team just gives the Red Wings problems. But they've just they've done that for for a couple of years now, where they've just they just have a team that's built to play against the Red Wings style. Tortorella, I think Tortorella really, I don't know, Tortorella's style kind of works well against the Red Wings, too, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, he's aggressive, right? He's I mean, aggressive. He, 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 that aggressive wants, check. he wants that grit, and the Red Wings obviously don't respond well to that kind of shit. So, Which is why we need more grit. And speaking of grit, tell us about the player we signed today, Jeff. <laughs> uh, we signed 100 Eric Tangrady-sized <laughs> Ducks. <laughs> Two more years. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's gonna get called up to and save the Red Wings season two. I, that's not true. I, not I actually- had more than one person say to me, "Oh, good, it's two more years of uh, duck tangrady sized duck questions." And I'm like, "You fucking up! You're all assholes." Not answering. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah, I was who funny. I, there were certain- asked, who originally asked that question? Uh, Abstate Nick. Was it Abstate Nick? I'm gonna. Oh God, next I see. If I ever see him. Like sometime soon, I'm going to. I don't know. Thank him. I'm, I'm gonna. Buy, I'll buy him a beer. Yeah. I'll probably buy him a beer, but I'll still yell at him. I I uh, I kind of joked um, that as soon as this was announced, I was waiting for somebody to say, "Oh, this is he's exactly he needs to be called up or something like that." And sure enough, my favorite places on the internet to go did not fail me. It worked <laughs> so great. Just, I think at one place it was the first comment, like that's what they're missing on their on their bottom six. That's like, oh, oh yes, Eric Tangrady, the key to a cup. <laughs> yeah. It's a perfect. It's a perfectly good depth signing. I never want him on the NHL roster. I wouldn't be opposed to it in the playoffs. To play? Who do you? Yeah. No, just as a backup guy. Maybe maybe like a you know. If it he means Athanasiu is getting more time, can he play? In I'd, I'd be okay with it because it meant the Red Wings outlasting the Griffins in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, there you see. go. Yes, on the roster, sure. Playing? Hell no. Well, who, who do you, no. who would you rather have on your fourth line, Eric Tangrady or Brad Richards? Brad Richards, he can score. Brad Kenny, Rich- yeah, it's Richards. It's got to be Richards. He doesn't have Richards. size. He does. He just doesn't have speed at all or anything else. Brad Richards is having not a good year, and I I bet you I think he has more points this year than Tangrady has in his lifetime in the NHL. Stand by, he does. Uh, if he has 15 points, then he does. Oh, he's tied it. Okay then. Boy, does Tangrady have 15 career NHL points or 14? Pretty sure it's 15 career NHL points. I'm not okay. looking that up. Brad Richards has 23 points this year, <laughs> and he's having a bad year. So yeah, I want Brad Richards. 
Eric Tangrady has 15 points. <laughs> Brad oh. Richards needs one assist to tie Eric Tangrady's career points mark. <laughs> Whatever. He does. He's not. <laughs> he's he's six four though. <laughs> he is a big lumbering doofus, but he's doing really well for the Griffins, and it's working. So yeah, that's the thing. I don't want to shit on Eric Tangrady because he yeah, no, like, not at all. Really fits in with the Griffins extremely well. He's playing uh, a role that doesn't necessarily. I mean, it, the, there is that role in, at the NHL level, but he's basically playing the AHL version of the piano mover. Uh, yeah. On the the Griffins top line, and he's he's doing a really great job of that with uh, with Mealy. Um, but yeah, as far as the NHL is concerned, he played one game for us this year. It was a win versus the Islanders. He played like six and a half minutes. He just doesn't have the foot speed at the NHL level. Uh, the board battling thing, like he can absorb damage there, but he's just he doesn't score as well as even Luke Glendening, who is basically the worst scorer we have on the team. And I know that it's not all about scoring goals at the NHL level, but I mean the concept that he's a, a deterrent is just asinine. Um, Mark Savard got his career ended with Milan Lucic on the freaking ice. So if you think that that guy is going to keep rats from taking dirty shots at people, it's not true. It's yeah, but if, if Sean Thornton was on the ice, it'd be a different story. Yeah, hmm. yeah, that team's so doing. They need. Um, one thing though, I'm glad Tim Grady's not up, so he's not taking away time from our most promising kids. However, with that said, it's not like our most promising kids are getting much ice time anyway. I was about to say, you're glad he's not up coaching. <laughs> uh, what, what, what are our thoughts here? Two wins, but we've seen in the third period, Mantha barely playing, Ethanisiu barely playing, you know, Glenn Denning's getting double shifted. I don't even know if it's double shifted. They're just shortening the bench, and he's kind of taking the role of the younger guys, uh, you know, in that top six. They're, they're focusing on defense. Like, what is this good? Is this bad? I mean, we're trying to protect leads, but you're not really giving those guys – the time to develop, I guess, at the NHL level or get a chance to fucking learn those situations. Good well, until they start losing. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 are, they are developing. It's just um, they're not being exposed to situations where... Um, but should Athanasiu have one shift in the third period? No. Well, I agree. Yeah, he should. I mean, look, he should I have one. He should not. He should not have a shift in the third period? No, just one single shift one the shift in the third period. period. <laughs> I think he should be playing in the third period. I mean, look, yeah, I get it if you, <laughs> I get it if you want to. You know, there's three minutes left in the game, and you, you got a one goal lead. Maybe you don't want to put him. I get that. I could see that, but you know, it's. A, I mean, it's a the whole period that they're they're playing one shift, and it's for 30 seconds. Like, I don't get it. I mean, you know, Glendening was playing up with um, Setterberg and Larkin because Abdulkader was serving his fighting major. Yeah, so, you know, that was kind of a a little of a fluke thing, but um, I don't see why you couldn't put Athanasiu with more defensively responsible players. Like Athanasiu is actually starting on a line with Glenn Denning now, right? Glenn, right. Is it Glenn Denning, Richards, and Athanasiu? Yeah. I mean, if, if you feel that Luke Glenn Denning is as defensively responsible as you think he is, and Brad Richards is is kind of he's still playing a lot of minute third period. So they obviously think he's a guy that, that can assist in, in preserving a lead. Why, why, what's that Athanasiu going to do to blow all that up? Like, why wouldn't you play him on a regular shift at least through the first half, maybe first three quarters of the third period? 
Correction, because I was curious and I looked it up, uh, because literally all I could remember from that Florida game was basically every other shift was Datsuk, Zetterberg, or Glendening. Like, and I couldn't remember Nyquist or Tatar playing a single shift. Um, but they did. They played a um, little under five minutes. Brad Richards played two minutes in the third period in that game. Um, hmm. Glendening led all uh, forwards in ice time with uh, eight minutes and 16 seconds. Oh, oh, yeah. How much of that was shorthanded? <laughs> So, I mean, literally every other shift was Glendening. Um, shorthanded, that was uh, minute 16. So, he played seven even-strength minutes there. Ooh. Zetterberg played over seven minutes. Power play in the, didn't the Wings have a power um, play in the third as well? Yeah. Datsuk played over seven minutes. So, yeah, it was literally Datsuk, Zetterberg, Glendening the entire the entire time. Um, and I guess, you know, knock it while it works, but... <laughs> just don't know why it works and I, I, it's weird because i, I consider athens you and glenn and mantha uh different enough that i'm more okay with mantha not getting shifts while trying to protect the lead than i am with athens you but i think either way what the red wings ought to be doing is trying to extend the lead rather than trying to protect it maybe against a division opponent maybe you do a little bit differently and so you go up against uh, the next division opponent that you or your next non-division opponent and and maybe you do play a little bit more aggressively because you you definitely do not want to give the Panthers a point. You don't want to let them tie it, and then they get a point out of it, and then it's only a, a one-point swing in the standings. But I, I got to think that the the success rate of trying to extend the lead versus giving up the lead is is more beneficial to to playing a little bit more aggressively in the third period like that. And I think Athens you definitely should have gotten more than one shift. I'm okay with Brad Richards only going to play two minutes, but uh, yeah, find a way to, to get the, the kid more experience. And yeah, I understand the, the concept of if Athens U makes the screw up that the Panthers tie the game on, then that's a brutal thing and the, the fans will, will tear him apart and obviously he'll never recover from that. He'll go on to have a very, very, very disappointing career, but uh, I, I think he'll be all right. I mean, the worst thing that happens is he gives up the goal and you just don't do it again. But at this point, I mean, it, you, yes. Smith. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it, it, this actually isn't new, right? I mean, this is what the Red Wings have done forever. Is they've when they've had young players in the lineup, they've played fourth line minutes and they kind of get eased in. So really, this is just a continuation of that. Plus, I mean, if you look at the the lineup overall, I mean, they have a lot of they still have a lot of younger players playing ish. Yeah, it is. Um, the youngest you know, I mean, Larkin's Larkin's still playing minutes in the third period um because uh, he's the best player on the ice pretty much every night <laughs> yeah marchenko when i mean they're not they're not they're not shortening the the defense even though they should but that's not uh, there the defense uh, sucks yeah. no matter who they put out there smith played 435 and uh de played eight minutes erickson played eight minutes cronwell played eight minutes hmm. so i'm guessing green didn't play very many quincy <laughs> played 650 yeah green played 447 Oh, never. So then he does shorten his defensive pairs. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight, the part of well, actually, will be played by yeah, you. yeah. But yeah, I, I agree though on Mantha. I mean, Mantha's three games into his career. I mean, well, he's been yeah, dropped into the middle of a fine. of a playoff race, starting his NHL career, and um, you know, you're you're playing the long game with with Mantha here. So you yeah. know, play him in the first and second period. You know, let him kind of just let him. See, I, I will say this: if they're down by a goal, I don't understand why they shorten the bench the way they do sometimes. 
that doesn't make sense to me because Athanasio is one of your he's a guy who's who's driving offense. And if you're down by a goal, you need you need to score. So it's so you understand that he, yeah, maybe he you lose a little bit in defense, but the net gain offensively is worth it that he should be playing more minutes when you're down, I think. Mhm. Jeff, are you okay? Jeff, Jeff. Jeff, are you okay? Yeah. I was trying to transition and I had nothing, so I just sat here until someone said something. Uh, Justin will cut that out anyway, right? (laughs) You betcha, Jeff. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. We can go to the prospects report now, right? Yeah, we can go to the prospects report. You guys want to go to the prospects report? Let's go to the prospects report. Michelle, the Griffins, they won They won 13 games in a row, and then they lost, but 13 is a pretty good number. Uh, I bet your prospects report is around 13 minutes, so fire away. With two wins over the Texas Stars last week, the Griffins made it to a 13-game win streak before getting shut out by the San Antonio Rampage on Sunday, which was their first loss since February 19th. Grand Rapids beat the Texas Stars on Wednesday 4-1, with Ryan Spruill, Tomas Nosek, Eric Tangrady, and Zach Nastasiak scoring their goals. It was Nasty's first AHL goal. Tom McCullum made 40 saves in the win and stopped a Julius Honka penalty shot in the third period. The Griffins didn't have a single power play, but killed off all six Texas Stars power plays. Saturday in a rematch against the Stars, it took overtime to determine the winner, but the Griffins pulled off a 6-5 OT win to keep their win streak alive. The Griffins outshot the Stars 48-18 and Tom McCullum made 13 saves on 18 shots. With Jared Coro in Detroit backing up Jimmy Howard for a couple games while Peter Mrazek was sick, Jake Patterson was the backup for McCullum in this game. Ryan Sproul had a goal and two assists, Mitch Callahan had a goal and an assist, Eric Tangrady had a goal and an assist, and Andy Mealy and Louis Mark Aubrey had two assists each while Jeff Hogan had two goals. Sunday in San Antonio, the Rampage snapped the Griffins' 13-game win streak when they blanked them 2-0. Jake Patterson got the start and he stopped 39 out of 41 shots, but the Griffins Griffins couldn't get a single puck past Martin Spencer. The Rampage scored shorthanded early in the first period to get the lead and then tallied their second goal just 33 seconds into the third period. As far as hot players go, one guy sticks out to me on the stat sheet, and that's Ryan Sproul. In his last three games, he had a goal and three assists, and that's his hottest three-game stretch all season long. Now with a record of 41-21-1-1 and 84 points on the season, the Griffins currently sit first in the Central Division, tied in points with the Milwaukee Admirals. The Griffins sit second in the Western Conference with 12 games left to play in the regular season. They're poised to make the playoffs again this year, but even sitting where they are, there are so many other teams that are very close in points or within reaching distance that they need to keep winning. If they go on a very lengthy losing streak and another team gets hot, they could easily see themselves passed up. There's currently only one team in the league that's clinched a playoff spot this early on, and that's unsurprisingly the Toronto Marlies, who've been tearing up the league this year. They have 97 points so far. For their upcoming schedule, the Griffins have a little bit lighter load than they have the past few weekends. 
they play Tuesday in San Antonio again, where they already are after playing on Sunday, and then they head back home for a game against the Lake Erie Monsters on Saturday. Down in Toledo, the Walleye have two wins and a loss in their three games and three nights last week. Thursday night, they beat the Indy Fuel 6-2, and then they shut out the Brampton Beast 5-0 on Friday before falling 3-1 to the Evansville Icemen on Saturday. The Walleye had another great season, and while there are still nine games left in the regular season, their 87 points so far have clinched them a playoff spot for the second year in a row, and they sit atop the Eastern Conference and are second in the entire ECHL. We got a small update on Alden Hirschfeld as well. If you guys remember, he's the one that had a seizure on the Griffins bench and it was going to have brain surgery to repair what's causing the seizures. He tweeted out the other day that he did have the surgery and he said finally feeling a little better thanks to the Red Wings, Griffins, and Walleye for their support. And along with that he tweeted out a picture of his skull post-surgery and it's really amazing because he has large incision scars and stitches that go all the way from his forehead in a C shape up around and all the way down to his ear. It's pretty gnarly looking but hopefully this takes care of the issue and helps him get back to having a normal life. So we continue to wish Alden Hirschfeld all the best in his recovery. In other prospects news, in the OHL, Vilisar Jarvi and the Flint Firebirds lost their last three games in the season by a combined score of 18-7. to And now we're just sitting here playing the waiting game to see where the Red Wings are going to choose to assign him, either to the ECHL or the AHL with the Grand Rapids Griffins. There's currently an open spot for him in the AHL lineup, as the Griffins have Toledo walleye defenseman Joel Schwinard called up and rotating in, so they could definitely send him down and put Villy in and even just rotate him in and get him a couple games. Villy finished the season third on the Firebirds in points with 43, first in power play goals with 8, first in shots on goal with 219, and he was 10th in scoring among all defensemen. Flint as a team had an awful season in between so much losing and the owner and coach's debacle, but don't overlook how good Villy was all season long despite having a lot of distractions and things to deal with and it being his first year in this league. We should be hearing any day now if he'll be headed to Grand Rapids or Toledo and my fingers and toes are all crossed that it's Grand Rapids. Flint held their player awards banquet over the weekend after their season ended, and Vili Sarajarvi was awarded both the Rookie of the Year award and the Best Defenseman of the Year award. Over in the QMJHL, Adam Marsh didn't play in the St. John Sea Dogs' final five regular season games. I can't find confirmation, but my suspicion is that he's injured. He also missed a chunk of games earlier in the season with a concussion. He did finish the regular season, though, with 23 goals and 19 assists for a total of 42 points in 48 games. The Sea Dogs kick off their first round of the playoffs this Friday, March 25th, versus the T-Tan in a best-of-a-seven-game series. Evgeny Svechnikov finished off his regular season with a four-assist game in a 6-2 win over the Adam Marshless St. John Sea Dogs, and he was also named third star of the game. Chevy finished the regular season third on his team in scoring with 79 points and third in goals with 32, first in power play goals with 13, and he was 52% in the face-off circle. Just a little note, the Cape Breton website has him listed as a winger all season long, but they did use him as a center. He also finished second on his team in penalty minutes with 97. Overall, he had a 1.58 points per game pace and a 1.94 penalty minutes per game pace. League-wide, he finished 19th in QMJHL scoring with his 79 points, and he also finished 6th in the Q in even strength points per game. Chevy finished 19th in all Canadian Hockey League skaters in even strength points per game. Chevy and the Screaming Eagles kick off their first round of the playoffs again on Friday, March 25th against the Chicoutimi Saguenines. Out in the Western Hockey League, Joe Hickett's in the Victoria Royals finished off their already great season on a strong note, winning their final three games of the regular season and then finishing the season sitting atop the entire league with 106 points. Hicketts had four power play assists in those last three games, notching two in a 7-4 win over the Kelowna Rockets and then two more in the 4-1 win over the Everett Silvertips. Hicketts finished the regular season with eight goals
goals, 53 assists for 61 points in 59 games. Those 61 points are 7th best among all Western Hockey League defensemen. And among all players in the league, Hicketts was 12th in assists with his 53, 3rd in power play assists with 27, and he was 6th on his team in scoring and 2nd in assists. So he had a 1.03 points per game pace and finished 19th in the entire Canadian Hockey League defensemen in even strength points per game. Victoria kicks off their first round of playoff series against the Spokane Chiefs Friday, March 25th. For the Portland Winterhawks, Dominic Turgeon finished off his final regular season in the Western Hockey League on a strong note, posting two goals and two assists in his final three games. He finished the regular season with 36 goals and 34 assists for a total of 70 points in 72 games, beating his previous season high in goals by 17 and points by 26. The Red Wings wanted more offense from the defensive center this season, and Turgeon delivered. He's first on his team in points with 70, first in goals with 36, power play goals with 12, shorthanded goals with 3, and only had 22 penalty minutes the entire season. League-wide, he was 18th in goals, 18th in power play goals, and 33rd in points. Portland kicks off their first-round playoff series against the Everett Silvertips on March 25th. In the BCHL, Chase Perry was in net for both the Wenatchee Wilds' two losses to the Chilliwack Chiefs in the second round of their playoffs. They suffered a 4-3 loss in Game 1 and a 3-2 loss in Game 2, but it's a seven-game series, so the Wilds still have a chance to come back and advance to the next round. Over in Europe, Christopher N. played in both Forlunda's playoff games over the weekend. He had two shots on goal, was a minus one, and averaged nine minutes time on ice and 53% in the faceoff dot. For most of the season, the stat sheets haven't done Christopher N. justice when it comes to his impact on the team and how well he's playing. So my good friend Patrick, Zeb underscore Habs on Twitter, gave me a little scouting report on how N. has played aside from what's on the stat sheet. And he said, N. is getting there. I've never seen him as good. He's still a little bit behind as a playmaking center, but he's not making a fool of himself in any way. If he would just have put one in the net, he has had a few very good chances. His confidence could use the boost. Patrick also got the opportunity to speak with N last week after a practice with Frolunda and get his thoughts on ramping up for the playoffs, what's contributed to his increased ice time and role on the team, how he feels he's improved the most in his last couple seasons, his impressions of the Red Wings organization, and which players stood out to him in development camp, along with which current NHL player he thinks his game is most like. All right, I'm here with uh, Christopher Ian, and uh, we just finished a practice with uh, Frolanda. And uh, how do you feel after the practice? Ah, uh, good. Uh, we got some good tempo, some good drills, uh, get the legs moving, and uh, we're excited for next week. The intensity has really picked up, even at practice. I saw. Yeah, yeah, uh, a lot in the like corners and battles along the wall. Like uh, uh, you feel like it's coming to uh, the season is coming to an end soon. So. You gotta be ready and uh, get strong in those situations. You uh, you got to play a little bit more now than at the start of the season. Uh, what has changed? Is it your development or, or you more confident? Yeah, probably I'm more confident. Like my like my mindset is to come in and make a difference instead of just like uh, trying to claim a spot or j- just being worried uh, about making mistakes. I'm instead focused on playing my game and trying to win battles and skate as much as I can. So. Uh, I think it's. Uh, I, I'm playing with more confidence now than before. So and, and, and how you feel you, you developed over the last couple of seasons because you have developed a lot, really. Yeah, yeah. I feel like my uh, skating probably is the biggest part of my development. But uh, I'm also getting like stronger in the puck and stuff. So uh, uh, just getting stronger and faster are probably like the most uh, important. 
you went over to Detroit last uh, season for the development camp. How is it? How do you see the? Uh, what is your impression of the organization and the club in general? Uh, really professional, I think. Uh, you know, uh, they are really like uh, uh, they're like their mindset is to like do everything extremely well. Like you need to take care of your body. You need to like work hard on the ice and off the uh, yeah off the ice too. And you know. Uh, it's kind of like here, you know. You have to be prepared every day to come into work, and uh, just because you're there doesn't mean you like can lay off and just like chill. You're in the NHL and stuff. Like, uh, you still get to work and get better every day. I think uh, that philosophy fits me well, so I'm just happy to be there. Any particular players that stood out last summer? Uh, what? Any particular players that stood out last summer? Yeah, and of course, uh, Dylan Larkin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's had a Hard to miss, huh? Yeah, he's had a pretty <laughs> great season. Like, he's a really good guy, too. And uh, it's fun to see Athanasio getting some nice time, too. I think he's played great so far. I've, I watched a couple of games, and uh, both of them got like tremendous speed. So it's fun to see. Did you, how much do you follow uh, Detroit over uh, the season? Quite much. I always like uh, look in the morning like if they lost or won uh, a game. And, uh, on the weekends when they play like the early games, I usually try to watch it. Like I, I think it's fun. And um, could you foresee Larkin's enormous success, uh, or, or, or uh, is that a little bit of a shock to you as well? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's kind of a shock to me as well. Like uh, I knew it was like really good, and I I thought he had a, he had a chance of making the team, but. Uh, like he's been one of the best players so far, so I don't think even he could have <laughs> imagined that. Um, so, who is your favorite Red, uh, Red Wings player and NHL player? Uh, probably Sederberg. Sederberg. Yeah. And you try to model your game after him as well, or? Uh, no, I think I'm more like uh, I, I've always said like Marcus Kruger uh, in the Chicago Blackhawks. Like he's uh, like a really responsible player, but still has some like skill and. Can fill out uh, uh, on offense uh, as well. And gets huge bonus points in my book for mentioning Athanasiu, and I love that he keeps up with the Wings and watches them as often as he can. Patrick also told me that Nen is familiar with Wim, so maybe he's read some of the nice things we've said about him. Another huge thank you goes out to Patrick for doing this interview and giving it to us to enjoy. Thank you, Patrick. You're the best. In other SHL playoff news, Axel Holmstrom and Schleftia pulled out two overtime wins against HV71 to take a 3-0 game lead in the playoff series. Holmstrom didn't register a point in Game 2, but then notched two assists in Game 3, and he now has four playoff points in three games as Schleftia's fourth-line center, averaging just under 13 minutes a game. I'm telling you, this kid likes the playoffs. In Finland, Julius Vatalo and TPS advanced to the second round of their playoffs in the Finnish League and are tied at one game apiece with Karpat. Vatalo played 10 minutes and 41 seconds and had three shots on goal in a 2-1 overtime win in Game 1, and then played a measly 4 minutes and 30 seconds in in the 6-1 loss in Game 2. In the KHL, Alexander Katikin still isn't playing for SKA St. Petersburg, even though the team has advanced to the third round of their playoffs now. They beat Dynamo Minsk 4-2 in their series and now face CSKA Moscow in the next round that starts on Thursday. We had some great questions in this week's win mailbag, so I'm going to tackle those because there's some really interesting stuff in here. Our caddy had three questions for me. The first was this. Sveshnikov was drafted and is listed as a left wing, but he's been known to play center on the top line. Do you think it would be in the Red Wings' best interest to develop Sveshnikov as a center rather than a winger, similar to what we did with Athanasiu? The philosophy with this is that you can always move a center to wing, but you can't just move a winger to the middle. 
I'm okay with the concept of him um, being somebody that can maybe step in for a center, that could take some face-offs, but I don't think he's going to be a strong enough natural center at the AHL level that he would be able to supplant any of the centers that the Griffins already have. Um, he might be a guy that could fill in in a pinch if somebody was injured or called up, but I don't foresee him becoming a permanent center. I think Athens used a little bit of a different case because he played a little bit at wing and junior, but he was a natural center and he played center mostly in juniors. He always played center when he came to development camp and the prospects tournament. Um, when he got, um, when he first came to Grand Rapids, he played a very small amount of wing, but he's such a good centerman, uh, whether it be face-offs and just his speed and his hands and his creativity and the way he thinks the game um, combined with his speed, he makes a really great center. For me, it's a little bit different because Feshnikov was drafted as a winger with maybe some center tendencies, at least at the junior level, but AA was always better suited to be a center. Second question. With the graduation of Athanasiu and Mantha, maybe, we'll see, this year, as well as whoever graduates or gets lost to waivers next season, are the Griffins going to be able to replace these players? I know Svechnikov, Hicketts, Turgeon, and Nastasiak, and maybe Sarah Jarvie should come in full-time Griffins next season, but will they be enough to replace the more experienced players leaving? This is always a tricky thing in the AHL because you kind of go through this every year. If you look at the players that we lost last year, you lose a guy like Timu Pulkinen and you can't really replace him straight up. Partway through the season, you lose Athanasiu. I mean, you had the year we lost Tatar and Nyquist and Smith and guys like that. That's kind of a cycle that you go through every year in the AHL. And I think the short answer is yes, they'll be able to replace them. Maybe not a straight up role replacing, but the team will have to evolve and change. And the Red Wings have also done a good job of stocking the Griffins with uh, AHL contracts or guys like Eric Tangrady who are on NHL contract two-way deals um, to fill in. So when you lose your really good prospects, whether they get lost on waivers or they get called up to the NHL, you have very good AHL players who can fill in and still help your team be successful and win games because that's important also, not only for the franchise and for building a fan base and making your team money, but also for your prospects who are still there to be in a winning environment and to be able to learn from those guys. So you have guys like Eric Tangrady and Mark Zangerly and Andy Neely who do a fantastic job up front of being, you know, essentially the leaders on the team. I mean, Andy Neely still leads the team in points. He was second last year to only team and you've got Eric Tangrady right up there. So I think that it won't make a huge difference in the team as a whole for the Griffins because, as you mentioned, you'll have other guys coming in. You'll have Svechnikov coming in and Turgeon, and Nastasiuk should have a full-time role next year. And then on the back end, you'll have Hicketts and possibly Sarah Jarvie. Um, and then you've got these guys coming in. You've got a few leaving, and then you've still got some good AHL contracts who are in there. But I think the team will be just fine. If Sarah Jarvie isn't ready to play in the AHL next season, is it more beneficial to have him play down in Toledo or have him go back to the USHL? Is the NCAA an option for Villy, or could the Wings orchestrate something with Flint management to trade him somewhere else? I really don't like the situation in Flint right now, and especially since the season is now over, we should be looking at options for Philly's future. If he's not ready to play in the AHL next season, and it is something that would be really over his head, which I don't think is the case, I think that he could handle it. 
Um, is it more beneficial to have him in Toledo or go back to the USHL? That's really a toss-up for me because I'm not um, a huge fan of the ECHL as a developmental league, but the advantage to having him in Toledo is that he's in the Wings organization and you could call him up to Grand Rapids if you had an injury or you felt that he was doing really good and was ready. There's that option. If he goes back to the USHL or decides to go play in Flint, he's there for the season. You know, you can't call him up and get him in a few games and test anything out. The Wings have already said that Philly's not going back to Flint, so at this point I don't know if they would be able to work with Flint management to get him to trade him somewhere else. That sounds a little bit shady to me and probably not something that the teams would engage in. Plus, with Flint's management how it is now, their owner is currently suspended and the OHL doesn't seem to be able to work with him. Like, who knows what's going on? So I wouldn't consider that a really a viable option. But I definitely agree. The situation in Flint is terrible. We know the Villy's not going to be there next year. It's just a matter of where. And honestly, I hope that he's close to home. App State asked, is there any evidence that Svechnikov's high penalty minutes, is it all related to him being a big fish in a very little and occasionally much younger pond? We've seen it with other players before. Sometimes the bigger kids at that level tend to just be too strong or even just too big for certain plays to not end up as interference or holding or roughing or even a high hit. First of all, thank you very much, Nick. And hi, in the games I was able to watch of his, it didn't stick out to me as being something that was simply a result of him being too big or too strong. Um, there were a couple, at least a couple of times where I saw him make hits that were just, they were stupid and they were dangerous. I'm sure that some of Chevy's penalties were a result of that, not something intentional, but maybe if he went up against a much smaller guy. But I didn't see any of that in the games that I watched, so it's not enough for me to think that that would be the issue. But it's a very good point and something to think about, and oftentimes we miss context like that when we're talking about kids that are playing in junior leagues. There's a whole lot of stuff that comes into play. So thank you guys very much for the questions. And until next week, that's what's going on in the world of Red Wings prospects. Thanks, Michelle. JJ, questions. Let's go. All right, I got them. Uh, we're starting off with questions for Michelle, but uh, we just listened to the prospects report. So uh, jumping down to App State, uh, number one, if the Red Wings make the playoffs, will we get any articles from the Diggers about how Tomas Tatar helped drag this team there? Or is he uh, not Swedish enough for Helene Company to write that article? No, I don't think that if the Red Wings make the playoffs, the highlight will be anybody but the core leadership of Datsuk. And it would either, I, I, honestly, the, here, are the, here are the main ones for me. It would be Datsuk and Zetterberg, uh, Dylan Larkin, or the goalies. Yeah, you'll probably get your Howard bouncing back while Mrazek's sick to help him get there. I mean, obviously, we got to see what happens, but... Right. If we keep at the same pace, we'll get the uh, the story about the heroic Luke Lindenning and his unstoppable goal scoring. That's he's, true. He's a great net front presence. Listen, guys. He really is. I'm telling you, buy in on 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 Luke. Don't count him out. I'm Wait, still waiting Lindenning for that net front on the power play. I I'm mean, down. He's I'm down. one for one, right? <laughs> I'm down for it. Let's do it. Let's get weird. All right. Question number two: If you could go on a one week vacation with any person from Red Wings history that is not either in or a lock for the Hall of Fame, who would it be? Larry Murphy. Larry Murphy is in the Hall of Fame. God damn it. <laughs> You're a bad fan. I know. I mean, my no. my initial thought was Holmstrom, but then mm. I was like, if I'm going on a vacation and I want to get, like, fucked up, he's like, <laughs> can dead, dead Red Wings come? Like, if they were alive? Yes. <laughs> so, like, they're Probert. alive and in their prime, yeah. Like, I could go with Bob Prober, and I'm sure that would be one crazy-ass fucking week-long vacation. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> might not come back from it. Yeah, you might not. Um, 
Not everyone answer at once, guys. Well, it's, it's, I was going to say Darren McCurdy, but that's probably going to be awful. He's nah, like he just loses all your money for you. He's a super yeah. stoner now. So, like, I'm, I think Bob Probert's a good one. Because <laughs> I'd love I mean, to, like, you know, like, shoot the shit with him and be like, you know, ask him about stuff if I could. That was my fun answer. I would go with Holmes from yeah. I would go with uh, Chris Osgood. Really? Well, he's he's not in the Hall of Fame. He's not a lock for the Hall of Fame, so that's I know I that, but like, really, of all, like Chris Osgood. I yeah, mean, like he wears seems like, jeans. He seems like a fun. He's such, he, no, guy. yeah, well, you he, know. A, he seems like a dry sandwich. We would get along nicely. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Good point. All right, nice. We, you know what? We, yeah, it would be nice. Like it would just be like a fun. We'd sit at a cottage and you know have beers and talk about life. <laughs> Ooh. God, Ooh, App, App State with the the, the correct answer coming back. Um, I think I'm going to cheat and say uh, Paulo Dotsuk is not a lock for the Hall of Fame. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. No, uh, yeah, Yuri Hitler is a great answer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Holmstrom is a great answer. I think a low-key good answer is uh, Turk Maltby. Mm. I think he'd be a lot of fun to hang out with. I, you know, I really want to spend a week with Jason Williams. Why? I'm just that was just. I go I'm surprised you didn't theory. say Smith because... Well, you said <laughs> it's locked in the Hall of Fame. I thought about Draper and then I... <laughs> It didn't like, say you know the what? I don't want to work fame. out for it just said Hall of Fame. Yeah. He's in some kind of Hall of Fame somewhere. Probably in the Mimico Hall of no, Fame. The Hall of Fame. He's in the, he's in the yeah. Hancock. Hall he's not. Of he's not good enough to be in the Mimico Hall of Fame. Trust me. <laughs> I almost said. I almost said Draper, but then I thought, you know what? I don't want to work out for six hours a day on my vacation. So yeah, that that dude's still going. Uh, the only other answer from the comments was uh, Slava Kozlov, and I thought that'd be a pretty good answer too. Can we go with like Karen Newman in her prime? She's a person. Uh, Red Wings history it doesn't say player; she's a person. If we're gonna go with yeah, that, sure. then I'm going with I'm going with Al Sabaka because he makes a good ass barbecue. Apparently. Oh yeah. If we're uh, talking off ice stuff, yeah, yeah. it's Al Sabaka for be. sure. That dude probably gets super ripped and like barbecues a shit ton of food. I'm down. We're at it. Yes. <laughs> because you wouldn't be able to touch her. She's <laughs> yeah. married to a man and possibly more handsome than you are. Way handsome. <laughs> Yeah, I would just have to sit there and just like, so, you like fettuccine Alfredo? <laughs> I don't know. What what would I think? <laughs> <laughs> That's a cute kitty out there. <laughs> Louvay. Louvay. Second <laughs> <like a> fettuccine <laughs> Alfredo. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You've got away with the ladies, Kyle. Truly. <laughs> Oh, uh, let's see. And now uh, your Red Wings all AARP team. A starting six and a bench of six. Uh, who cares? Just name as many as you want. Uh, who played at or past 40 years old for the Red Wings. I don't know. The entire fucking 2002 teams. <laughs> yeah. My yeah. dad's too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The automatic bid is Eiserman, Howlitz from Chelios and Hashek. Well, yeah, that's pretty. That's basically everybody. Jeff's answers. So. They're all on there. There you go. Robitaille. Yep. Uh, Nazaro33 wants to know about uh, the concept of a that's Zetterberg replacement. Um, obviously, Larkin and Mantha is probably projected. Obviously, Larkin is pr- is perhaps a replacement for one of those two. Mantha is more of a Frownson type replacement. Um, is there anybody else that's kind of in the the system that that you think could like really step up to that high, truly elite level? Not really. Well, Smith could be Lidstrom. I don't want to hear it. Um, I don't know. I think like, it could I, possibly be another false. Athanasiu. Could be Draper? I think after the season could might be, be helpful to be Draper. Yeah, I think after the season may actually be able to uh, to outscore all but that one season of a Draper where he, where he won the Selkie. Yeah, um, I don't know. Like, it, it's such a that's a tough question to answer, really, because I mean, if you look I mean, at to, both of their careers, 
I, I don't know if there I mean we don't know if there's anybody really who could do that because I don't know it's that's a hard one for me to answer but I mean, Larkin is obviously swap. but like we said what was it last week Tatar is Hudler and Nike was Filpola type deal mm-hmm. um I don't know uh Austin Matthews yeah that's a good one he's gonna be really good for us maybe they don't you know I don't know maybe they don't have a, another duo to, to replace you know what I mean yeah maybe they'll just have they won't have like so Larkin I mean Larkin is if his rookie season is anything he's gonna be an excellent player. um so maybe there isn't another guy that's gonna get up to all the way to that level mm-hmm. maybe it's uh, maybe they're just going to have just a really solid team throughout. Yeah, I mean, you don't need to have two superstars. You could just have some, you know, one superstar and then a bunch of really, really good players. Maybe Larkin and Stamkos. Mm. There you go. Uh, Beer league arbitration asks. I feel it's kind of an obvious answer question, um, but should we be flipping our prospects for picks earlier? And then he goes on to make. Basically, an argument that the the entry level contract versus the RFA contract, uh, essentially, it's way harder to pay these guys. You waste like good, like really good high end years, the age like twenty three and such, um, not giving them a chance to really grow at the NHL level, and then they like basically grow into waiver eligible RFAs, which are harder to cost control. Yeah. Um, um, so. My yeah, my argument there is that. Outside of the prospects that they have on entry-level deals right now, um, draft picks are at such a premium in this league, I think. Even, like, the third-round picks, I mean, you know, some teams obviously will trade, you know, Brandon Bullock for a third-round pick. But um, I think that, you know, if you're talking about a guy like um, Martin Furk, let's say, who is, you know, just now coming out as a really good player, and, you know, he's he's waiver eligible so um i mean what do you expect to get from him i mean i don't know i guess you could get something but um do i think that would i rather have martin firk on the team or would i rather have a third round pick uh third round pick i'd rather have him on the team right now thing is yeah the thing is i mean draft picks are always futures they right. don't they don't help you now so if you're if you're going to be doing something like that you're going to be doing it because um, you're rebuilding. That like mm-hmm. that's what a rebuilding team would do. Right. If you are, if you have designs on contending within the within the near future, mm-hmm. um, you're going to want some of those uh, those guys that are on the RFAs. I mean, you want to sprinkle in a couple of guys on on entry level contracts because you just you need that type of production from somebody not making a lot of money. Right. But with the RFAs, you're typically dealing with a better player you know a a more seasoned player and even then those rfa contracts ken holland has made a number of mistakes with his his cap management stuff one thing he actually does really well is handle his rfas Mm -hmm. he gives them two-year deals he gives them slight raises nothing crazy um so kind of keeps them under control but without tying up too much money in them once they become, once they have a chance to become unrestricted free agents, that's when he loses his damn mind. Right. <laughs> but he goes off but the rails. He's, he's 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 figured it out. So you can't just you can't expect that a, a guy who is going into or on an RFA contract 
is not going to provide more value than a guy on an entry-level contract because entry-level contracts are teenagers or 20 or 21 year olds depending on how many years they they slid their contract if they were able to do that yeah i mean if you ask me what i read like if you look at a guy like ryan sproul who could be had for like let's say hypothetically a third round pick uh, would I rather have the third round pick or rather have Ryan Sproul on the team? I think I'd rather have Ryan Sproul on the team. Because I've only seen yeah. one game of him at the NHL. You don't know what he's going to be. He has all the tools to be a really you know, decent player. We're at a point with these guys where it's like I do want them to give more youngsters a chance. But yeah, you have, that, uh, that involves flipping them way quicker and that – Basically, right now, we would not have Yurko or Pulkinen on the team mm-hmm. by now because they would have already been replaced. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, who cares? They're, they're both healthy scratches right now. And, yeah, maybe it's a good point, but you've got to flip some guys real early and take some real chances on, on levels like that. And then, I mean, imagine how sh- shitty Wings fans get in regards to literally every prospect who once played for us yeah. play somewhere else. And, like, I don't think Wings fans are, are equipped to handle flipping a guy a year too early and then he gets really good and then they just tear their freaking hair out over it. Yeah. It would be like that perfect storm because now the complaint is to hold on to these guys for too long and that they, you know, that you find out, hey, oh, now they don't have any value. You can't get rid of them. The flip side would make people, because they complain, look, like people shit all over the fact that, look how many guys lost on waivers mm-hmm. and they're and they're freaking out because, you know, they, they, they lost of nothing or, um, you know, like they did exactly what he's kind of suggesting, and that they they moved him. I mean, they didn't they didn't get any picks out of it, but they gained cap space, gained a roster spot. So, I mean, you 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 do get something when you when you move a guy out of your team. Yeah, but I really miss Landon for ever upset and angry all the time. Yeah. All right, Whiskey Juliet Romeo has uh, whew, six questions. We're gonna skip some of these. Uh, <laughs> sorry, this one. I'm, I'm sorry. This is just really easy. It, once the season is over for the Red Wings, regardless of they make the playoffs, do you believe the Wings management will be making assessments on overall performance of all roster players? The answer to that is duh. They do that every year. Do that. Yeah, yeah, they do. That's every team job. does it. <laughs> but basically, they will. What are your opinions on who should be marked for trade bait, waived, or outright just let walk? And mm-hmm. it's probably a postseason quest. That's a postseason question. I feel we've talked about it a lot too. Like we can let Helm walk. Trade but, Howard, let Helm walk. Let Richards yeah. walk. Yeah. Bye bye Richards. Yeah. Let um, Shane walk if you're signing a big guy. Question like, two is basically Blashell said that Mantha is up for the long haul. Do we believe him? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's yeah. He look he's got I mean, he's got six more games to make up his mind. Yeah. Well I guess it doesn't matter um, for him, right? Because they can't slide him. Yeah, they can't slide him. So no. he's he's up for everyone. But setting him back down is kind of They've already used a, a non-emergency call-up on him, so there's no point in, in not just keeping him around. Yeah, and burning that, just, yeah. yeah. You send he'd, him down, and have then to you want to call really, him back up, you'd have to use another call-up. Yeah, yeah. he'd have to look really, really bad to send him down at this point. Yeah. Uh, paraphrasing question three is basically, are we going to try to rebuild the defense from uh, the kids growing up, or are we going to try to make a move? I think they're going to probably try to make a move. They're going to try to make a move. Make a move. They will. Yeah. I, I, I don't think they will, but yeah. it's it, Now that Bufflin is off the market, um, I don't think they're going to really pursue much in free agency, knock on wood, because there's really nothing there. Uh, so yeah, the only other option is to try and, and make a move. But the thing is, is that I still don't think there are any defensemen there that are going to change the game for the Red Wings. Even a guy like Votnin, I, I mean, that's not a 
top pairing guy in my opinion. So Yeah. Uh any of the Wim riders feel like there may be coaching changes during the offseason? Nope. Yeah. Like Red Wings coaching changes? Or I don't think they're gonna changes? fire Schweiler. They're not gonna fire anybody. Some kind of coach somewhere will get fired in the offseason. Yes, but this is a Red Wings podcast. Uh, question five, what are the chances we actually buy Vastaras so that we can use them as kind of a scouting base in Europe? Uh, slim to none to no. less than none. Why would why would Illich spend money on that? And then would they buy the Firebirds? And no, they're not interested. Good God, in no. Okay. Well, they can't. Um, are, they, are they allowed to do that? I don't think they – well, they could probably buy the team, but they can't make it like a Red Wing farm team. They'd have to operate independently. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Because that's because right, the Carolina Hurricanes owner had the Plymouth Whalers. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, old man hockey wants to know how confident do you feel about our chances of actually getting into the top wild card spot? I feel good about it. It's, it's possible. Islanders are playing like garbage right now, so I mean they can get they could get caught, and I'm not convinced Philly's going to catch going to pass the Red Wings. Yeah, basically, right now we're at like a 65 percent chance to even make the playoffs, and yep. I feel pretty confident about that making the top odd card I, I don't think is out of the question i i believe that the red wings are actually going to get back into the division and finish third in the division i think they're <laughs> going to catch boston right on all right uh you s19 says larkin's future zetterberg scored 22 in his first season at age 22 he thinks followed by 15 39 33 43 and 31 in his next five seasons uh, basically, Larkin is on Zetterberg's rookie pace or to pass it. Um, can we maybe expect that this is a portent that he will grow to a 40-goal scorer? Oh, that's a lot. I, I don't know about 40 goals. Yeah, but not. he'll score 40 goals. Yeah. He's got the tools to do it. I mean, you know, you saw you saw Zetterberg. I mean, did, did you really project that Zetterberg was going to score 40? No. no. Yeah, and he did. So, And, I mean, it's not like uh, the errors are – significantly different so I, he could he could yeah I basically it was a slightly more offensive era back then but i feel that the nhl is going to be making changes that's going to kind of bring that era back and give larkin a basically an evil e- equal footing shot evil footing also, who's, shot. evil footing yeah uh whose rookie season impressed you more uh, larkin's larkin because i'd say he, larkin because he's sure. had to carry the team at times where zetterberg had so many veterans yeah. But we're good. Larkin. Yeah, I mean, first. yeah. <laughs> okay, here's the uh, the Oats 11 question, which he always asks these. Uh, Pokemon battle, who wins? Mantha with his Tangrady Duckmon or Athanasiu with his Nick, <laughs> Dick Nipple Goosemon? <laughs> it's the Tangrady Duckmon for sure. <laughs> I don't know. Lord, there's a lot of comments on this. Well, I'm skipping down. A goose with dick nipples is pretty intimidating, honestly. <laughs> do goose? Do geese even have nipples? Everything has nipples. You can, can milk anything with nipples. <laughs> 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 I gotta go with the Tangrady duck. Yeah, it's yeah. way bigger. It's probably more aggressive, and you gotta feel that like dick nipples would be a, would be a detriment. Like that's. That's yeah, a but soft the, area to, the, to attack. The dick nipple Gooseman probably has like the poke him in the eye with the nipple attack move. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's like way smaller. I mean, does Tangrady Duckmon have like a machete attack? No, it's got like I'm gigantic. Plus, I mean, we're really talking about a duck versus a goose, so they're very similar. Just one's bigger and one has dick nipples, I guess. <laughs> so they're both bird-based Pokemon. I think one would be grass-based, honestly. 
the goose. Okay, I'm going to move us away from this question, but I want to point out that Tea and Caker Death had a fantastic, like, entire list of Pokemon evolutions based on Red Wings players. Like, one of them is, like, uh, Pronovo Spawn turns into a Manthra, turns into a Mantha Maniac. It's, like, it's, it's amazing. You should go read that and, uh, <laughs> and wreck it, because that, that deserves all of the wrecks. Uh, let's see. Realistic, realistically, how do you protect the wings finishing points-wise and playoff? We already talked about that. But First place. Uh, basically, you see anyone poised to break out and be the hero that, drabs the sh- that drags the shambling corpse of the Red Wings to the playoffs. Luke Glendening. Z- uh, Zetterberg's going to go on a run like he did in, uh, was that 14, 13? I mean, realistically, like, like Larkin three points in his last two games. Let's hope he's kind of over his little sophomore or uh, sophomore slump, but his little like <laughs> rookie wall slump there, and he kind of finds his stride again, and he gets hot going in the playoffs, and then you can have that great narrative of like the kid take took carried him to the playoffs type thing. I wonder how much of that was him being sick, getting over being sick, because you listen to Mrazek talk about what he had, and I bet you it's the same thing that's going through that dressing room, and he was laid up for what almost a week. I wonder if Larkin, because Larkin missed one game and then came back. I yeah. wonder if he was still feeling the effects of that flu, and that contributed to it. A long time to be sick, though, I guess. Yeah, take some NyQuil and suck it up. Like the rest of us when we go to work. <laughs> well, he, he has been. <laughs> he missed one game. That's what Kramer said. Well, I've never taken a sick day, so I didn't miss any games. Play with the champion. <laughs> How many goals have you scored? Uh, I was the in street hockey. I scored at least ten. I mean, in a single season, that's, scored more than that. We we don't play as many games, so. No, I agree with Graham. I think Zetterberg is going to um, carry the team and, and get that narrative. But I also think that Zetterberg being on Larkin's line means that they can possibly share that storyline. Yeah, I'd like it to be Datsuk. I'd like it to be a kid, just for the fact that I, I think that'd be good psychologically for the young kid, the team, front office, the fan base. I want to. I think Datsuk. No, I agree. I think that Datsuk is going to be like the low key key to the entire thing, but he just doesn't get enough credit for it, which will be a basically a reverse of what used to happen in the Datsuk versus Zetterberg debate, mm-hmm. where Datsuk got like all the credit and Zetterberg was <laughs> basically underrated by his own fan base. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Case Dungey wants to talk about trading Jimmy Howard. No, we do that all the time. Uh, Polar Baron, super easy question. If you had to bet $100 on whether Erickson is ever a healthy scratch before the end of the season or not, which would you bet on? <laughs> nope. No. No. Nope. No. Never, ever. He hasn't been a healthy scratch yet. Why the hell start now? Oh, another uh, Erickson question by Lancerman. If Erickson's horrible turnover frequency continues to progress, do you think there is something like a point of singularity where the, those turnovers cannot get any worse and he comes out on the other side making perfect passes to his own teammates? <laughs> I, I got to say, Jay Stone's response was the best. Yeah, go ahead and read that one. He said, I think the only way that Erickson's pass is wind up directly to Wings players is if he got traded to a division rival. <laughs> 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 Boom. There's a yeah, that's, yeah, that's, 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 that's the answer. That's You can't beat that. Uh, Nick No said, uh, earlier this season, Chris Osgood posited that the league wanted to increase scoring. They should get rid of neutral zone faceoffs. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Huh. That's why he's not a Hall of Famer. Because he has dumb ideas like that. I don't it's an know. I mean, does it make a difference? I don't know. I don't hate it. Where do you put an offside face off? Like all the way back in the yeah. offense? Yeah, the team don't go off sides or else it's coming all the way down. Well, sometimes you can't help it. Do you know how slow that would the game? Huh. That would I don't slow know the game if that down. changes it, though. Like, I really don't know if that really changes much. Let's I try it in the HL. Down. What about goals? 
No goals still yeah, like you got scored on face offs in your face offs in your zone. No, you got goals, scored on goals loser. are the exception. Goals yeah, start goals center ice directly center ice or like goofed up icings that happens. Why not just flip a coin at the beginning of the game and then just whoever wins gets no, the it should be like the XFL where they put the puck at center ice and then two players have to skate towards each other really fast <laughs> and dive towards the puck. <laughs> you know what? Just forget face offs altogether. Do it like foosball and just throw the puck on the ice and just everybody yeah, starts going after it. You think it's too small. You don't throw it. You get a t shirt cannon, like a puck cannon, and you let a fan fire it. <laughs> oh, okay. What if you yeah. fired at a player? Of course you would fire it at a player. Or you'd fire it at the like the team you don't like's net. Who cares? <laughs> goalie make goalie make a save. Those things don't fire that fast. You put somebody up in the nosebleeds with a t shirt cannon firing a puck and that thing's like it's gonna lob onto the ice no matter yeah. what. Let's be honest. They're not giving the cannon to the people in the upper bowl. They're giving it yeah, to they don't the care people about the down near the ice. People will specifically pay for that privilege. That's true. I probably would. Yeah. I give it to make a wish kids, that'd be cool. Yeah. Make a wish kid like blast a guy in the face and <laughs> <laughs> My dream was to just smash Brendan Smith in the face with the puck and I did it. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> Next question. No, Graham said that he, he thinks that would slow the game down. I'm I'm curious about that. Well, how would it slow the game down? Well, I mean, it, look at this way. If you got to skate farther if, to the think, off, Well, but... no, but even if things like offsides and stuff results in are going to result in uh, off, offensive zone faceoffs or defensive zone. You go offside and it's going to go. You, you're going to see more dumping in and less guys trying to carry it in because they're going to be afraid yeah, to go offside. Yeah, you chance it. I agree yeah. with that. Okay. okay. Good argument. Uh, for what demon would you be willing to part with Larkin and would the other team do it? Uh, Eric Larkin Carlson. For, Eric, for Carlson? Yeah. I would trade Larkin for Eric Carlson. Uh, yeah, I would. I'd do that because how old is Eric Carlson now? 25? 15. Yeah, 25, I think. I'm going going back and forth in my head. Like, would I do it for P.K. Subban? Carlson is 25. He'll be 26 this year. Future Norris winner Drew Doughty? No. 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 I don't want want Drew Doughty on the team regardless, and it doesn't have anything to do with his hockey skill. I think he's a a jackass. I would have to deal with him. Why not just wait for Eric Carlson to hit free agency because you know he's going to That's not the question. I don't care. No, that's, that's a good answer. That's a good option. He's going to bolt from Ottawa. Uh, I think Carlson is the only one I wouldn't hesitate on or I wouldn't think twice about. I don't know if there's anybody else, really. No, yeah. Uh, don't Taves Me Bro basically posted a bunch of stuff about talking about the Red Wings getting Steven Stamkos, and he's essentially asking, here's smoke, is there fire? Yes. And App State has the response. I think they just know it's one of the larger fan bases, and headlines like that generate page views. <laughs> I think that's it, but I mean, it's possible. The other, the other thing is they've been talking about Stamkos all freaking season long. So at some point, you're going to mention Stamkos going basically everywhere. And I know this isn't like rink-eating people. This is um, Sportsnet and Bob McKenzie talking about it. Uh, so... It's not nobodies that are saying, oh, Stamkos could go to Detroit. But it feels like Detroit is kind of being considered as, as an also-ran already. Um, so We're just there to drive know. the price up for the Leafs. <laughs> exactly. Pretty much. Go 20% yeah, of I think everybody's idiots. Hey, you know what, though? I'll say this. I will say this. When um, when Detroit was gunning for Suter, I mean, everybody thought that Suter was going to go to Detroit – or maybe go back to Nashville. Like Minnesota was never – they were always mentioned as this, oh, well, maybe they would. You know, who knows? We'll see. And, and then 
they pulled it off. So and he was damn okay, close so to Detroit. Who is Stamkos's Zach Parise? Uh, would be a defense. It's too bad it's not Hedman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think there is one. I, I, there Stamkos is, one. is is better. Mike Babcock. Yeah. There you go. Mike Babcock drives Stamkos to Detroit. I like that. Yeah. Captain says he doesn't have a question. He just wants to say thanks for the thoughtful answers on the last show and keep up the great work, folks. Thank oh, you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. ENSRW says, please discuss Brad Richards' value and contribution to the team in this stretch drive to make the playoffs uh, versus letting Yurko and Polkanen play in his spot. That's not a question, but he said please. Uh, his value is the same value as the fart I just let go. Wow. So would you wow. rather have Yurko in than, than Richards? Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I would. I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm not convinced of that. If they oh. if they said that they were scratching Richards tomorrow for Yurko, I wouldn't be mad. Based on where Richards I, is playing right now on the fourth line, I would absolutely take Yurko over Richards. Yeah, Yurko has got. I think I might take Polkinen or Richards over Polkinen on the fourth line though. I think guys, yeah. I, I'm ready. Like I'm personally like Polkinen. I just eh, I give me Yurko over Polkinen. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't think Polkin and I don't think Polkin makes it here next season. I agree. Uh, next question, same person. Uh, Gary Bettman is making flirty eyes with you and wants you to run away with him to a deserted island for the, we- the weekend, and no one will ever know. In return, he'll fix the draft so the Red Wings get the first pick overall. Do you really love the Red Wings that much? Yes. Yeah, sure. It's, you're just hanging out on an island. Getting me? Gonna happen. So. I'm sure he's paying for it. All right. Wins, baby. Wins. Yeah. Championships. Let's go. So do you take Austin Matthews, or do you trade uh, that pick to Arizona for Oliver ekman Larson? You trade it. You trade Oliver ekman Larson. Yeah, yeah. You could trade it because uh, Arizona would want, if they're smart, they would want Austin they would Matthews, Matthews more than they want Oliver. Oh, no, he's twenty-four. Yeah, okay. he's young. Let's do it. And he's on I'm, an amazing contract. That's a good question, and I would do it. I would take ekman Larson plus a pick, though. I wouldn't trade just one for one. Yeah, because they'll probably want it. No, you take Arizona for. Yeah. yeah, which is probably like the third round pick, third, third overall. So, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, hold their fucking feet to the fire. They want the Arizona boy. Let's do it. So, yes, uh, we all agree we would uh, hang out with Gary Bettman and nobody would know to get the first round pick. And then we would trade it for Oliver Eric and Larson. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm not going to skip that one. Asked this weekend, it wasn't answered. I'll ask this again. Uh, the team with the first overall pick in the draft is offered to trade the pick to the Wings for Larkin, Hicketts, Nyquist, and Detroit's first round pick. Do you do no. it? No. No. No, not with Larkin. It's too much. Larkin, okay. Nick, if it was for that, Connor McDavid, that's, does that change it? Probably. Yeah, yeah probably. David is, he's, he's the real deal. He's, he's pretty damn good. He, I, I think he should win the Calder. I think he's been the best rookie this year, but he'll, him getting hurt is going to kill him. We need an yeah, American to win the Calder. The, the best production. It should be about who's honestly the best rookie, and that is McDavid. Uh, yeah, Arsenal so. wants to know which players do you see as potential black ace call-ups, and which of them do you think will actually get on the ice for games? Tank Grady. <laughs> All of them, right? Yep, he's going to be the difference. Uh, they'll call um, Coro. I think uh, Russo might be one of them. Mm. wonder if he'll let him get the call again. I'm sure all those guys, Jen, all the Probably. all the guys who are, are waiver exempt or whatever, have to go through waivers next year. I'll get called up. But uh, why would they call him up though? I mean, like, why would they call him up if the Griffins are out? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. the, that's how I. The Griffins have to be out because we're not calling anybody okay. up just to right. sit for the Red Wings. No, 
No. And I don't think they're going to call anybody up specifically to get into the lineup with the way the things are building right now, unless people get hurt. Right. And yeah, in which case, we're looking right. most likely it's going to be defensive call-ups. And I, I still think that Roulette's got the, the number one call-up spot locked up, even though he wasn't very good in his last chance with the Wings. Uh, LeVasp wants to know why the Red Wings don't do game day posters like the Jackets The game do. posters. Josh Howard does them somewhere. He used to. He used to. I don't They're think he does them more, but... Check the internet. Just Google. Well, Helmroids does them, but like the Red Wings specifically do not. And it's because they just don't do social media like the Blue Jackets. It's probably not sponsored, so they don't want to do it. Well, and they're... They're... It's different. They have a little bit more of an established fan base. Where I'm sure they'd get retweeted get with... More. Yeah. They'd get retweeted with the hashtag Red Wings on it, though. Quote retweeted. All right, just one last question. <laughs> and uh, I'm only asking it because it's funny. Shoeless Joe 91 a uh, longtime reader of the site, says, at some point, are you just like, fuck it, I hope the Red Wings miss the playoffs so we can finally start a rebuild? After all, Eisman was drafted first overall after the Red Wings missed the playoffs in 82. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I like Rar Power's uh, response that basically posts the article where I say I don't want the Red Wings to just say fuck it and miss the playoffs. I mean, like, if you say fuck it, miss the playoffs, what are your odds of winning or getting the first overall pick? One percent. Uh, between one and two and a half percent, right? Yeah, so you're, like, that's hey, a pretty took big me 80 gamble. tries. That's a pretty big gamble. Well, you only get one. Well, just got to make it count. Go big or go home, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, gentlemen, the week ahead. I don't know when the heck we're going to do this again, but at Tampa, home against the Habs, home against the Penguins, home against the Sabres. On the road against the Habs. Five games. We are going three, one, and one. Strong outing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not good. Um, two, one, and two. Okay. Ouch. Gonna earn, no, they're going to earn points. That's the, that's the key. They're going to... Uh, um, they're going to win the games they're supposed to. Um, I, I, I'm sensing a, I'm sensing an, an OT loss against Tampa and a shootout loss to Pittsburgh. I don't remember who else you said that they're playing. Uh, the Habs twice and the Sabres. Buffalo. Oh, let me change that then. <laughs> oh, yeah, still the you can lose the because the Habs game next Tuesday is in Montreal. Uh, the day after we play the Sabres in Detroit. Oh uh, yeah, that one they'll lose. We're going to win it. Uh, I think that uh, the Pittsburgh game is almost certainly a loss. It's a Saturday afternoon game, and that's going to end the chances that we're going to finish ahead of Pittsburgh in the standings. Um, Tampa's going to be a real tough test. Um, yeah, they need man, to. I, tomorrow. I, th- I think 3-1-1. One, and one. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Kyler. Yeah, I'm so. going with 1-1-3. One, one, and three. Good God. <laughs> Fuck off, Jeff. <laughs> uh any final hockey-related thoughts? Drink just bendy straw. Get this shit over with. Let's get the playoffs going. Let's uh, let's win the first round. Great, Kyle, JJ Graham. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Nobody else. in Motown Radio. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Guys. I had my shit. final thought. Or goodbye, everybody, because it won't be night when you hear this. Maybe it is. Maybe it will be night. But listen whenever Kyle. you want to listen at your yeah. at your leisure. Hey, also comment like in the iTunes and leave us a. Five stars. And if you're not yes. going to leave us five stars, don't rate us at all. <laughs> if you're in five stars. And then leave fun comments so we can read them next time. Because <laughs> Jeff is the only one that reads them. Hey, we have great discussions on ducks and goats. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Winging it. I'm winging it, Motown. <laughs>